Welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Hi, hi, hi. Normally, this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we would talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, but due to the pandemic, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching here at home. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Bruce Willis, specifically two Bruce Willis movies from the 1990s. In his heyday. Yeah, this is where he was kind of at the peak yeah. of his career. Uh, at some point, like a lot of dudes, he kind of just transitioned to like straight to straight to video movies. That's kind of that's kind of where he's at right now. He's he's done a lot of straight to video movies in like the last five years. But the 1990s, it feels like prime Bruce Willis in terms of his appeal and the career choices he was making. So the first movie we're going to talk about is 1991's The Last Boy Scout, directed by Tony Scott. And the second is 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance, directed by John McTiernan. And in both of these movies, he's playing a cynical, washed-up alcoholic. I feel like that's that's kind of the mode he's best suited for. Yeah, he's, he's in the same mode in both yeah. of these. Just either uh, a cop or a you know ex-cop or detective, detective or whatever. Like that's his mo. I mean, very similar. Like, yeah. I mean, we're introduced him in both movies. He's like sleeping one off, yeah. right? Like he's like drank himself to sleep, presumably. I like in Last Boy Scout, like he's introduced sleeping in a car yep. by some kids who throw a dead squirrel on him. Oh and then he pulls a gun on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's our hero, pulling a gun on kids. Well, the kids were trying to steal his watch. Right. Uh, so yeah, we're, let's we'll talk about Last Boy Scout. The IMDb plot summary reads, a private detective's protected female witness is murdered prompting him and the victim's boyfriend to investigate the crime that leads to a corrupt politician and a crooked football team owner. Such a now, stupid now, story. Uh, it, this movie does have a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, back in 1991, this movie made about $60 million, which I think is was kind of a disappointment in relation to like the talent and the hype involved. I mean, this was written by Shane Black, who was hot off of Lethal Weapon. It was directed by Tony Scott who's still riding high off of Top Gun and Days of Thunder. It's produced by Joel Silver, who has made Predator and Die Hard. And you throw Bruce Willis in there, and that's there's a lot of alpha male talent on this set. I mean, a lot of alpha a lot male. Of, a lot of competing egos. We'll say apparently this was a pretty troubled production. I could see that. <laughs> Had to bring in a lot of editors to kind of like cobble this thing together. I mean, oh my God, there, there are some like one-liners in there that is just like... This whole movie is one-liners. This whole movie is quips. Sexist, racist, like the whole shebang. Well, Taylor Taylor Negron ha- has a line where like he's kidnapped Bruce Willis's 12-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I... he's like, if you don't show up, I'm going to show her what a hot date I really am. And then talking about how like she's gonna taste. Does he does he get yes. into that? Just yeah, I that was a line I missed yeah. before. <laughs> that's but yeah, that's an uncomfortable line. Yeah, that's just the insinuation there. But yeah, this is definitely a, a guy's movie, and I realized while rewatching it with you 
that it might not be the best date movie. No. It, I, it, it, there's it, a scene with like a girl in a hot tub early on where like the guy is forcing the girl under. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a football player. It's a little player. uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a little like, uncomfortable. And yeah, like, it's some of the lines. And yeah, women in general don't, I mean, why don't does, get a great shape. Why in this does movie. Halle Berry have to be a stripper? Yeah, there's an like, extended, well, so you get an extended scene of them chatting in a strip club, so you yeah. keep cutting to her yeah, while she's stripping. while she's dancing. There you go. Yeah, this movie's not great with its women, and, like, Bruce Willis, his wife is cheating on him. I mean, yeah. We don't even know why. Like, yeah. she's sleeping um, with, with Bruce McGill over yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> his, like, his partner in the private investigation company, or, like, they, they help each other out, they're two private detectives, or whatever the case is. Right. And she's sleeping with this fat old white guy. <laughs> Bruce, that's character actor Bruce McGill. He's great, but yeah, I'm not sure why you would go from Bruce Willis to Bruce McGill. <laughs> I, I don't understand. And then they they really depict the daughter early on as this a, daughter has a has a mouth. She's got a mouth. She's got an attitude problem. Like I I'd want to you know. That's yeah. That's another Shane Black thing. Like having. It, kind of like a foul mouth. I mean, kid. obviously, you know, the daughter comes around at the end, but like. Do you remember in the Nice Guys, like Ryan Gosling's daughter is sort of tagging along with them and she's like smarter than yeah. both of them? A similar kind of dynamic, I feel. But this girl's really foul mouthed and she hates her dad. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it, it goes a little overboard it's a little ridiculous. with the hatred of her dad. <laughs> Like every every line out of her mouth is like "f you," "I hate you," "you've ruined my life." Yeah, like there's. <laughs> He's like, "Do you want some ice cream?" Yeah, I got chocolate chip. It's your favorite. <laughs> "F you, dad." You don't know. "F me." Mom says you're an "f this" and an "f that." It's it's something. It's yeah. It's it's some colorful uh, dialogue from Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let's let's get into the plot real quick. Uh, this movie it starts at a televised football game, and one of the players is warned that if he doesn't win, he's going to be assassinated. <laughs> this is the voice of Taylor Negron uh, on the phone. He plays Milo, a psychopath. <laughs> there's a couple of psychos in this movie. Yeah, there's not just one. There's the whole like whole motley one. crew of psychos. <laughs> and so when he gets back on the field uh, in the middle of the play, he pulls out a pistol. And, like, shoots down, like, three other players on his way to the end zone before turning the gun on himself. Yeah. He says something like, ain't life a bitch? And, like, yeah. blows his brains out. <laughs> so that's our open. So after that, we introduce uh, our heroes, Joe Hallenbach and Jimmy Dix. They're played by Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans. And Wayans, he's an ex-football player who was banned from the league for gambling and drug charges. And Willis, he's a private investigator. He used to be Secret Service, but was fired. Now he's kind of uh, just a washed-up alcoholic, <laughs> just your, your classic Willis uh, alcoholic. So that's kind of the setup, and it's it's really it's a buddy cop movie essentially, yeah. with lots of bad guys, plenty of twists, you know, some violent shootouts, one-liners. It's it's definitely that movie. It's such a weird plot. I mean, <laughs> you're talking like. You know, you're talking about a football movie, but then... You were asking me in the first year, like, yeah. is this a football movie? I'm like, nah, not, not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, f- football plays, plays there's, into there's it. There's football players, yeah, but yeah. 
and like you know kind of depicting uh, you know the owner of a football team being a piece of shit yeah he's he's kind of the ultimate bad guy big bad there i mean there's a whole bunch of sleazy characters kind of leading up to this football owner and the whole thing is really just about sports gambling i mean he wants to legalize yeah he wants to legalize sports gambling which I guess they sort of fix by having Milo the assassin kill kill players if they don't uh, like do what they say. <laughs> like what is what is what is Milo's job? He's assassinating players from like like up in the bleachers sort of deal. He's bribing the players and and telling them if you don't do what I'm telling you you need to do, then they're not going to assassinate them right there on the field, but they they will get killed. And they're, the only time that they go on the bleachers or he's in the stands is when they're trying to kill a city commissioner. At the very end. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. Um, but how do you how do you guarantee like I mean you can't guarantee that a football player is going to win. You mean football team. Football players don't win, football teams win. How do you how do you guarantee that? You team up with the other league players and the other owners. I feel like one team has to take a dive yeah. or, or something. I mean, you you go you go back and forth. But yeah, it, I guess the implications like Milo is kind of muscling players, yeah. sort of behind the scenes to do to do what they want. Damon Wayans gives a speech where like, and he, I, he was Damon Wayans was set up, yeah, right? Was yeah. he set up by Milo? Yeah, I'm guessing. Okay, yeah. he gives a long speech where he talks about like losing his wife and kids. Yep. So this movie, it, well, no, he lost his wife and his, I guess unborn child that's or, right right um, in a car accident on their way to the hospital during the like biggest game of his career right it gives like a long dramatic monologue yeah. in the middle of this film <laughs> i guess that's what i like about shane black he i mean he mixes it all up it's not just like a goofy comedy or like a soulless action movie They're, these characters do have some depth to them and he takes the time to cut to flesh them out and give them backstory we understand like how Bruce Willis got disgraced by saving a woman who was getting like beaten by the senator. By a senator. And this is the one senator who's holding out on allowing sports gambling to be legal. And yes. this is the guy they're trying to bribe, and because they can't bribe him, they're going to murder him yes. and then blame Bruce Willis. <laughs> exactly. It's a convoluted plot. Yeah, it, it's... Like like any Shane Black movie, it's like the plot is kind of like secondary to just the chemistry between the leads and just the the colorful assortment of supporting characters and or we, lack thereof i mean i don't really find chemistry between damon wayne supposedly and there should be chemistry ideally there should be some chemistry this movie wanted they didn't to, get along on set this movie wanted to be bad boys but it just wasn't well this is before bad boys so give it some credit I mean, I th- there should have been more comedy. There should have been. There's so much comedy. There's, there's one-liners galore. I'm laughing my my head off. One of the best setups and payoffs in this movie, Bruce Willis. <laughs> He's like, if I get through with this case, I'm gonna dance a jig. I swear to Christ, Junior, if I survive this fucking case, I'm gonna dance a jig. What? I'm gonna dance a jig. I swear to Christ. So at the very end, when Taylor Negron yeah. goes. Flying off the bleachers at the very top of the stadium. The light, the lighting. He's, he's, yeah. he's like, he goes flying right through the rotary blades of a helicopter. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> he becomes pink mist across the helicopter windshield. And right after this, like, insane, violent death, we just, we cut right to Bruce Willis dance, he, dancing a jig. And he does a, he does a jig. <laughs> and he's dancing it badly. Like, it's so ridiculous. I, I love that setup and payoff. 
juxtaposing like a violent murder with a ridiculous <laughs> jig with a ridiculous jig that's that's good fun that's yeah. good fun you disagree i do so <laughs> if it was done right no but this was not done right okay so uh, yeah how did this movie miss the mark for you other than like the treatment of female characters, which we both agree is not great. The chemistry, obviously, between Damon and Bruce Willis, I didn't feel like was there. Yeah. I felt like the writing, obviously, was not there. I felt like <sighs> the, you know, female depiction was Well, yeah, we talked about the females. Yeah. yeah, that's... I mean, Bruce Willis takes it and takes it and takes it, and he doesn't die. I mean, obviously. Bruce Willis, yeah. I know, but, you know. He, he's he felt like he it. should have died at a certain point. I mean, I think it was a little just too much. There was like one thing after another. The car bombs you got. He the kidnapping. Like, he gets out of every scrape. Man, at one point he gets like shaken down in an yeah. alley. I mean, and like, he, like he kills the guy with a broken bottle. <laughs> it's, I it's yeah, awesome. I really feel like like damn, like I mean, this, this happened movie, like in one night. This movie's chock full of shootouts and car chases galore directed by tony scott all to make gambling legal which like the end payoff doesn't make sense to me because nobody's watching football anymore and so the gambling business is now a multi-billion dollar business and you know all of that it's a plot yeah i can go with it it's i mean i mean okay as far as like a plot that serves to introduce some like fun, compelling, colorfully written characters. I'm I'm on board. I can go with this plot because because the characters are are keeping me keeping me invested, keeping you entertained. Yeah, there you go. So this just this did not no. this fell flat with you. Yes, I mean I knew this was this was a gamble. I figured yeah. like it would be so because it's so entertaining. I mean, I'll, it would have won I'll, you over at one point. You I'll like give you it were, that. I'll, I'll give you it. You look like you were entertained. There is entertainment in the sense that I'm just watching something and I'm entertained by it, or like entertainment in the sense that I'm in it. Right. You this, you weren't in it. I was not in it. Okay. Like this is something that you put on in the background. And you're washing the dishes. But then you're gonna miss the the great action. I mean. And Halle Berry stripping. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Like they totally like could have used Halle Berry more. I mean, I, well, of course, but this is yeah, this is Halle Berry very very early on. You know, she, I mean, her star definitely rose after this. So this is her early on. But yeah, definitely, you know, in hindsight, a waste yeah. of a great talent. I mean, amongst all these dudes, she's the one Oscar winner. Yeah, so. I would have actually liked, I guess, maybe the role reverse, maybe Halle Berry being in Damon's position, and they killing them, killing off. Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. And that would and have so been... Bruce and Halle Berry? Yeah. That would have been interesting for me. Gonna, and they end up killing... They, they kill Halle Berry because Halle Berry was trying to get Damon's job back as a football player. Well, she's going to play a she, tape back. She had something on she tape. She had blackmail. Right. Well, that's why she's being targeted. Yeah. And so she got 86th. Another great shootout. During the shoot, I remember like one guy gets like pinned by two cars, like yeah, in between two cars. Yeah, that was cars. fun. It's awesome. Yeah, but that's been done now. I mean, it's all been done. I know. It's it's how you do it, and I think this movie does it with a lot of panache and style, mm. and Tony Scott and Shane Black. That's I mean, that's a legendary meetup. You know, it, a little later we're going to talk about True Romance, another Tony Scott movie, where he directed a script from Quentin Tarantino. So Tony Scott. 
he's not a writer, but he has good taste and material. And he, he's worked with some of the best screenwriters out there. There you go. This is definitely a boys movie. What grade would you give it? A C. I mean, you know, like I said, I was entertained, You're just but like, whatever, you know, it's yeah. whatever. Meh. It's under two hours. It. I mean, there's that. It's under two hours. Yeah. So all right, let's well, take... what would you rate it? This is an A. Are you fucking oh, nuts? Okay. Yeah. The, it's definitely a boy movie. Are you? Are you? This is an A. Solid. This is one of Tony Scott's best. <laughs> this is one of. This is top five Tony Scott. Are you kidding? Oh my god. Um, I definitely wouldn't think that this is a date movie. What a what what are your thoughts? Well, like I said, I realized while watching it, while rewatching it, that this was maybe a bad choice. <laughs> but I'm still glad that I got to introduce you <laughs> to this wonderful film. It's fabulous. And we got through it. We got through it. There you go. All right, let's take a quick break. Yeah. When we come back. We'll talk about Die Hard with a Vengeance. Awesome. All right. We're back, and uh, we're going to talk about Die Hard with a Vengeance. This is technically the third in the series. Uh, you and I, we've seen Die Hard. Yes, we have. Most people in the world have seen Die Hard. Introduced John McClane and Nakatomi Plaza. Yep. A great act. I mean, just solid, classic action movie. Just very sad. Good bad guy. Alan Rickman. Yeah. An excellent bad guy. This one has Jeremy Irons, who's not quite as good as Alan Rickman, but uh, the second best villain of the series. I will say Jeremy Irons has better hair than Alan Rickman's mullet that he had in the first one. Yeah, Jeremy Irons' hair is kind of weird in this. I know. That's what we, we were, they're, we were they're, looking at it. like It's it's good in the front, and in the back, it's like he cut it himself. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> the so hair. I think in that respect, Alan Rickman had better hair. But Alan Rickman was good in the front and then a party. A mess, back. a mess in the back. <laughs> these, these brothers have some some hair problems. Yeah. But yeah, even, this is the third in the series. But honestly, I consider this one really to be the only true sequel to Die Hard. Die Hard Two is kind of just a generic action movie. The same with Die Hard Four and Five. I mean, there's been five of these things. One and three are legit Die Hard movies with John McClane. Yeah. They're both directed by John McTiernan. And the other three are just action movies that star Bruce Willis. There you go. That's that's how I look at these. But um, J- John McTiernan coming back as director for this one. He didn't direct number two. Him coming back is a big reason why this one feels like a, a return to form for the series in my book. But let's talk about the plot. The IMDb plot summary reads... John McClane and a Harlem store owner are targeted by German terrorist Simon Gruber in New York City, where he plans to rob the Federal Reserve Building. This movie has a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems crazy to me, but (laughs) (laughs) this this is now regarded as one of the better sequels out there. I mean, in terms of all the sequels being made, this is one that is held up. I believe it's it's regarded as a solid sequel. But uh, yeah, fifty-two percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but worldwide, it made over three hundred and sixty million back in nineteen ninety-five. So this was a hit. You know, this is a profitable movie. People showed up. And I have a little personal story to go with this film. I was twelve when I saw this, and it was my first R-rated movie that I saw in theaters. My mom was pretty strict about not allowing me to see anything R-rated. Uh, but that summer she got married, and my stepdad, I think, convinced her that we should all go see it. But they didn't tell me. 
And they told me we were going to see some Hugh Grant comedy, uh, nine months, I think. <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid comedy. You know, I'm, I'm happy to get out of the house and see a movie, even if it's something terrible. So when we're at the box office, my mom and I, we kind of stand off to the side while my stepdad gets the tickets. And when he comes back, he shows them to me. And he's like, are you ready for this? And the tickets are for Die Hard. And, you know, again, my mom was very strict. So I knew for her to be okay with this. It must have taken a lot of convincing. Yeah. And so seeing this in theaters was a big deal for me. And I remember it pretty clearly. And, you know, my stepdad and I, we had a hell of a time watching this. Uh, Mom hated it, though. This is not a soft R movie. This is this is a fairly hard R movie in terms of least, language and violence. Yeah, but at least there's no, like, sex or, like, nudity in this thing. You know, in hindsight, the reason to not see, like, R-rated movies with your parents is... You know, not because like they don't want you to be like corrupted or anything like that. It's because it's uncomfortable it watching R rated material with your family. It and is. yeah, I've seen some doozies with my mom. And you, the worst ones are usually like sex comedy. Yes. <laughs> Gosh, I remember my mom took me to go see me, myself, and Irene. Yeah. And she loved Jim Carrey and she had no idea that this was going to be a raunchy thing. And. There was a dildo scene, and mm-hmm. after that, we she took my hand, and we're like, we walked out of the theater. Yeah. I'll tell you, the worst that I, I think I saw with my mom was 40-Year-Old Virgin. That was... Oh, uh, that's funny, that was tra- That was traumatic. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that would be traumatic for you. you. you like, I, I knew within minutes yeah. you, this was a mistake. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> like, why are we saying that? Yes. Okay, so this movie, it starts off literally with a bang. Right, we got a hot town, summer in the city, yep. on the soundtrack, and then bam. Like, boom. A department store just blows up right in uptown Manhattan. And the imagery is very real and immediate. You know, you and I, were we come from a generation that's grown up uh, seeing real-life bombings on yeah. the news. And this scene has that kind of immediacy. So right after, a guy named Simon, he calls into the NYPD, and he wants to play a game with John McClane. And the first game is for John to go to Harlem and stand in the middle of the street wearing nothing but a racist sandwich board. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's talk about this for a second. Um, you know, it, this movie's dropping a hard end bomb. Yeah. Right, right off the bat, like ten, like barely ten minutes in, we're getting a hard end bomb. Obviously, the movie doesn't need that kind of explicit language. No. And it could have had the same exact effect if the language had just been reworked. Yeah. So that's that's a very questionable choice. <laughs> it's, it's it's shocking, honestly. But it creates um, tension. Yeah, it creates an immediate amount of tension. Everybody's like, "Oh God, what are, what are they doing? What is he doing?" And you know, not not to. And he's hungover. <laughs> he, he's having a bad effing yeah. day. <laughs> he says that like all throughout the film. One thing I'll give the movie credit for, just along these lines, is I do like that it it draws from real world issues to create most of its tension right like it's you know terrorist bombings in crowded areas racial prejudice those are areas where this movie is drawing a lot of its suspense and a lot of its tension and i i respect that they give this movie they don't sugarcoat anything not at all no again this is a big hollywood summer movie and a lot of the scenes have some uncomfortable real world parallels to them 
This is in New York City before yeah. 9-11. I mean, we get several oh, shots. Oh, yeah, the we World We get several Trade shots Center. of the World Trade Center. Yeah. So this movie's really, it's a time capsule. It's a, I mean, time machine back into New York City, mid-90s. And the movie captures that. Very well. Be, better than yeah. most movies that I've seen, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're just, we're blitzing across all over Manhattan in this movie. So yeah, after that scene, we meet Sam Jackson's character, Zeus. He kind of comes in, he gives him some assistance, and now they're they're kind of like teamed up. They're along for the ride. Yeah. And, you know, for the next like 30 minutes or so, like Simon kind of sends the two of them just zipping around Manhattan, trying to stop more bombs from going well, off. Well, yeah, disarming bombs along the way. They got to solve some riddles, yeah. and then that leads them to a bomb. <laughs> got to try to disarm it, and just... Like, a great series of nail-biting set pieces going on here. Like, I mean, they're driving a taxi cab. Through Central Park? Yeah, against traffic and then through Central Park. And, th- I mean, this is nuts. Yeah. And I am not sure how how, how you go about filming, I mean, it, like, it, a car chase yeah. in crowded Manhattan. I'm not... I, I, in Central Park. Like, they right. really ran their car through Central Park. Like, right. I... It's, that's crazy to me. There, it, I mean, this this movie, it's filled with some amazing shit that's going to blow your mind. And that's 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 what I want from my action movies. And then blow your mind. Like Last Boy Scout, you know, when the man flies through a helicopter blade, that's blowing my mind. <laughs> when, when Bruce Willis is driving a cab through Central Park. It's it's blowing my mind. I, I said this last night, you know, this is like um this is like a more action-packed green book. Yeah. Where you got White guy, black guy in a car, just <laughs> learning to put their racial prejudices aside. <laughs> it's weird that, like, this movie depicts Sam Jackson as the racist. Yeah. And Bruce Willis is, like, the woke one. Yeah. Who, who's, who's, like, you know, teaching him how to be a better man and, like, less prejudice. It would be offensive if it wasn't just kind of laughable. Yeah. It's kind it, of just it laughable. Was laughable. <laughs> it's laughable. I mean, like, for, like, the first hour or so like the first 40 minutes to an hour is just kind of relentlessly paced and you know like i said i mean we start off with this massive bomb and the movie just keeps like escalating and just hurtling forward and you know he gets down into the subway and the bomb goes off and like the subway car like derails but nobody and, like, gets killed he, sa- he saves everybody <laughs> from getting killed well he tosses it out the back yeah like just in the nick of time so another awesome set piece where this subway car is just sliding through the terminal. Yeah. Uh, just awesome practical action. Yeah. Little do we know that there was a reason why there was a bomb on that subway. And that was because it was the subway train right underneath the the Federal Reserve Building. And it killed off all the alarms. Yeah. And all up to this point, Jeremy Irons, he's just a voice on the phone. I mean, very recognizable voice because it's Jeremy Irons, a voice of Scar. But we don't actually see him until after the subway scene. It's a pretty cool shot where like the camera like cranes up from the street onto the roof. I didn't know who he was when on the, oh on the, on, fo- the phone. on the phone you didn't know that was Jeremy Irons. Mm-mm. Okay, it didn't sound like Scar on the phone. He had a German accent. Okay, so he he and his little band of uh, criminals their plot kind of kicks into gear after the subway scene. And their plan is to bring some trucks 
into the Federal Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> and just plow through and take some gold bricks. Yeah. And it's a pretty cool heist. It is going a cool heist. I mean, they brought in their team. A whole team um, of guys. Yeah. And, and there's this massive the guys drill. of city engineers and trying to figure, you know, things out. Well, yeah, they have to kind of con their way through uh, past security. And yeah, it's a pretty ingenious plan, pretty elaborate. You could say over elaborate. Well, <laughs> that and how they get the cops away is that they that he says that there's a bomb in a school. Pretty messed up. In Manhattan. Yeah, one and, of the schools in Manhattan. Good yeah, luck. <laughs> like, have fun. Yeah, that sends all the cops off, which, uh, yeah, gives them time to kind of bust through. I mean, they have this, like, massive vehicle with, like, spinning drills yeah. on it, and they just plow right through. There's a crazy scene where... The girl in the group, like, cuts up this guard. She doesn't say anything through the whole entire movie, but I think her voice box was cut because she had a scar on her neck. Okay, I I didn't even notice that. And so, yeah, I I don't think she could speak, but she was definitely, like... I think she's a singer in real life. Is she really? I believe so, yeah. That's uh, funny. But yeah, she has no no dialogue, but she she makes an impression when she butchers this man. (laughs) And then, so, while they're doing that, Bruce and Sam, they're running through Manhattan. They have some more bombs and puzzles to decode. And it, it all kind of leads to like them getting on a ship. That's where this thing kind of climaxes, right? Yeah. They get on a ship. Like on a cargo ship. Right. That's like 90 minutes in. For me, like that's where the movie kind of starts to lose steam. On a, the ship? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And then there's this like this whole sequence in like an aqueduct where yes. he's like surfing on the top of a car. Yes. Which is kind of improbable. Yes. But the plot was so much better than the other movies that I've seen that you've shown me. So You enjoyed this plot better than Last Boy Scout? I did, yeah. 100%. I feel like this movie holds up pretty well. It I does. Think, I think the first hour is some A-class action filmmaking. It's some of the best action filmmaking I've seen that first hour. When it's just Bruce and Sam zipping around Manhattan. It's awesome. When it starts to get to like Bruce Willis getting shot out of the water pipe. Just as like Sam Jackson's driving by. And, you know, when they're, like, hanging on a cable. Yes. Over a ship. Yeah. And, like, that kind of stuff. It loses some of its tight, frenetic energy. I think this is still a great action movie. And I I think it holds its own against the first Die Hard. I agree. It's inevitable that it's going to lose steam eventually. You know, the whole bit with, like, the kids... The kids in the school. Oh, yeah. It goes on. It goes on a little long. The movie's a little long. A little too long, I think. I wish it could have climaxed on the boat. Yeah. Like, just close it out on the boat. Instead, we get, like... They have to go to another s- facility. Well, and, Simon you know. gets away. He throws him, basically, the address to where he's going to be going. Yeah. It's on, like, this uh, Pill- aspirin, aspirin bottle. bottle. It's nuts. He's like, hey, do you have any aspirin? Here you go. Also, that's where I'm going to be yeah. in the next couple hours. Well, he didn't think that they would get out of, you I mean, know... He, he thinks of everything, this guy. And yeah. then he just throws him the address. That's <laughs> dumb. And, yeah, and then we get this stupid, like, added-on climax where... Helicopter scene. Right. They shoots, like, a power line through a helicopter. (laughs) It's... Yeah, the movie should be over by this point. We got to wrap it up. Yeah. But they clearly had trouble figuring out how to end this. I think they shot a couple different endings. So, I mean, that, that is what it is. But it doesn't take away from how great the majority of it is. The, the front half. I will. I, I did like this movie a lot. There you, okay. Um, I, I, I thought you were going to say you hated both of these. 
You didn't seem like you enjoyed it, but okay. I'm not showing you emotion when we <laughs> leave these. When I leave you to your thoughts after okay. we watch these movies. It's going to be a mystery. What's it's, going on It's a mystery. Until we talk about it. And this is what makes our podcast so great. So, okay. So you did actually like it. I did like this movie. Excellent. I mean, I'm not going to give it an A, mm. but I'll give it a B plus. There you go. And I would say this would be a date night movie. Great. Yeah. Hell, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, unlike Last Boy Scout, you know, there's no... There's chemistry between Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, there, there's Definite chemistry. chemistry. I mean, these guys have teamed up a bunch yeah. in movies. So we know they have chemistry. And this is, I think, their best pairing. I mean, yes. they really they really have a great chemistry here. And that's, that's a vital quality to this yeah. movie. You know, at the end, John McClane is trying to get back with his wife and calling her. I mean, there there are some aspects like that. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't even go like there's there's not there's not romance in this thing. You know, there's maybe one love scene between the the crazy girl and Jeremy Irons. Like they're trying they have to like, have like an angry sex scene yeah. briefly that gets interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> she, she tackles him. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of romance. Mm-mm. The fear, the suspense, yeah. it's pulled from from reality, and so that that gives the movie a, a sense of excitement. I'm glad this worked for you. And so you think that this is a good date movie, and what's your grade? A, of course. Hello, <laughs> everything I'm showing you that I've seen is an A for me. I show you a lot of things that I think you just I tune out. Yeah. It goes, leave your brain. It really does. It goes one ear and out the other. A year um, from now, you'll probably forget that you saw this. It's probably true. This is why we podcast, and <laughs> I can listen back on our podcast and realize, oh, okay, that's what that was. I did see that. I might be in the minority on this, but I do think this holds its own against the first Die Hard, and I like that even though the the formula is similar in terms of you know, like a group of terrorists that John McClane has to stop within the span of a day. Yeah. Is the same. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a diehard formula. Even though that's the same, just the setting of this film is completely different from the first. The first was all self-contained in, you know, Nakatomi Plaza. Yeah. In Los Angeles, most of it at night. This is mostly in the day, going uh, all, all throughout Manhattan. It just has a completely different look and feel. There's a reason we're not watching, we're not talking about Die Hard 2 or, you know, Live Free or Die Hard or A Good Day to Die Hard. Die Hard with a Vengeance is really, for me, the only legit Die Hard sequel. I mean, you watch Die Hard 1, Die Hard with a Vengeance, you got a great double feature. They hold together, the character is consistent throughout, and that's how you make an action movie. There you go. I love it. That's our show. You can find more episodes at anchor.fm slash movie date night as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at DN Movie Podcast, and you can also email us at date night movie podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Patrick. I'm Ashley. Yippee Kaye. Bye. <laughs>